Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. I'm very happy to have our guest back today. He, he is Brad Pickle, and Brad is the executive director of the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway Association, and he's going to give us an update on um, how the dredging and, and funding for such projects on the Atlantic Intracoastal are going. Before I introduce Brad, I do want to take a moment, as I always do, to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. And as always, we encourage all of the loopers out there to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. All right, Brad Pickle, thank you for returning to Great Loop Radio with us. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your to your Loop Cruisers, it's a, they're a great group that we count on to get us information, and I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to pass a little bit of information back to them. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that, too. And the timing is kind of perfect because we're moving towards spring, and that is the time when a lot of the loopers who are currently in Florida and the Bahamas will start moving up the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway. Uh, so let's start, if we could, Brad, um, fill us in for those who aren't familiar with your group. Tell us what the mission of the AIWA is. Sure, the AIWA is a nonprofit membership organization. We're actually a 501c6 nonprofit, which means that we're an advocacy organization. Uh, we're not the typical ones where you get a tax deduction, unfortunately. Uh, but we do have a, a number of supporters, both on the commercial side and on the recreational side, that help us do our work. And, and our work is very specific. It is focusing on finding funding, whether it's federal funding, state funding, or local funding, to dredge the waterway and increase the maintenance so that we'll have a passageway, what we like to call Marine Highway 95, uh, a regional transportation system to get those cruisers uh, either down to Florida and the Bahamas or back up. So uh, we're a very focused organization and, and spend a lot of time both on the state level and the federal levels seeing how we can leverage what resources are there to, to better maintain our waterway for all users. And fill us in if you can on kind of who your typical members are because I've, I've had the, the, the luxury of being able to attend your conferences in the past, which are always really informational. A lot of great details are shared about things I really didn't know about what you refer to as the, the I-95 on the waterway. Um, but you serve a lot of commercial interests. Is that correct? We do. We've got uh, really four different user groups. Um, first off, we'll start with yours, American Great Loop Cruisers Association. We are very thankful as one of our associate members and is an example of the different associations that are members of our board. Of, uh, I'm sorry, of our organization and also our board. Um, and so we have our association members. We have local government members up and down the waterway, different local governments, whether it's a county, a city uh, that has a waterway interest. They'll often join us and help help us get our, mes our message out and, and help us fulfill our mission. And then you get into the commercial side, which is what a lot of people think about because the waterway, it's a commercial highway in addition to being a recreational highway. So we have a number of commercial users, both tugboat operators, dredge companies, uh, and, and different other entities that rely on the waterway to be successful. Uh, and marinas would be a good example of that. And then finally, we have individual boaters. We have an individual boater membership for $25. And while a lot of people don't think that matters, it does. Every member matters, not just financially, but more importantly, uh, when we do our work in state capitals or in the nation's capital, being able to say that we represent 
users up and down the waterway and also members that aren't necessarily on the waterway but uh, have other congressional districts that they hail from. It really helps show the value of the complete system to the elected officials that didn't have to allocate the dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's helpful information. Uh, let's focus a little bit on the changes in D.C., and it, it, it's kind of hard to get away from that topic in just about any uh, place you go today. But um, there's been a lot of buzz, at least on our members' discussion forum, on how the change in the administration is going to affect the waterways and funding coming to the waterways. So what's your take on that so far? Well, from my perspective, it's actually a good news story. Uh, we don't have a lot of those coming out of D.C. right now, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum. Uh, but, but in this case, infrastructure investment has typically been, at least historically, has been a nonpartisan issue. Uh, we've got members along the waterway, congressional members that are Republicans. We also have congressional members that are Democrats. And the one thing that we have seen up and down is their willingness to come together to see that when we are investing in our country through infrastructure enhancements, whether it's roads, bridges, uh, runways, rail, or rivers, what we call our, our inland waterways, it's just like the Atlantic Intercoastal Waterway, or ports, they'll often come together to try to identify funding that they can allocate to see work be completed. Uh, we do know that if you're reading the news, you see that the incoming President Trump uh, wanted was touting a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. Details, we're still waiting to see how that would be between private investments versus the federal investment. Uh, but there's, as you can see, there's a, a very distinct desire to bring our infrastructure up. Uh, and then on the Democratic side, you see that they matched it and wanted to do the same. Uh, our Republican colleagues in Congress have not necessarily rolled out a bill as they're really taking the president's lead and trying to look into that. Uh, and the one thing I would caution everybody, though, is although it's not a partisan issue, there's not unlimited funding. And that's where we truly believe that we have an opportunity as a group, as a community, to make an impact. And, and that's working to say when you have competing interests uh, and you don't have enough money to do everything, just like when we're balancing our own checkbooks at home, uh, what really is our priority. And so uh, we rely on our users and our members to let us know where those trouble areas are that need to be a priority. And also, through their involvement, the elected officials realize that's votes, that's people back home, that's jobs, that's local governments, uh, that's commercial, that's recreational. And so we see the grassroots opportunities from our Atlantic Intercoastal Waterway truly affecting policy on a national scale, and it's led to results financially uh, in, in the funding that we've received over the years. So it's nice to hear that it's really not a partisan issue, and it sounds like there's actually some agreement um, between the two parties on the need for some spending on infrastructure. So that, but that doesn't mean we can kind of sit back and relax and expect the money to come in because we do have a lot of other interests that the waterways are com competing with. So um, we do encourage all of our members and our other listeners to get involved in the process. So, Brad, tell us about um, funding for the current year and how that compares to some of the previous years that you've had experience with and also you know, what the outlook is moving forward from here for funding for dredging and other waterway maintenance. Sure, sure. Well, right now on, on the federal level, we're under what's called a continuing resolution. Uh, in essence, what that means is there was a vote taken by Congress where they did not pass appropriation bills this year. Uh, they passed a couple of appropriation bills. 
but they didn't pass the one that includes energy and water, which is where the intercoastal waterways maintenance comes from, operations and maintenance comes from. Uh, but what they did do is they passed a continuing resolution through the end of April, uh, whereby the federal government will able to spend only the dollars equal to the dollars that they got the previous year. So it pretty much locks it in on what the previous year's values were. Uh, that doesn't do our type of projects any service at all, uh, quite frankly. And the reason why is because when you're trying to run on a continuing resolution, you're only funded through a few months. And in this case, they're funded through April, and then there may be another continuing resolution that goes through June, but they can't authorize contracts. The Corps of Engineers who dredges the waterway can't authorize contracts that exceed these time frames and dollar amounts included under those time frames. They can't over-obligate the federal government. So what we really need is those fiscal years where you have a budget and then you have appropriation bills that start in October. One, that money, the core districts know it's coming in. They can plan for it. They can contract the dollars out to individual dredge companies and get the work done. Uh-huh. We're not facing that. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, but that's the bad news. Uh, I can give you a quick little piece of good news is that dredging is occurring. Uh, that's uh, it's not necessarily being done in uh, in this year's money, but there was money allocated last year. There's dredging going on both in North Carolina and in Florida, and so a lot of the trouble spots that we've seen uh, are getting cleaned up right now. But just the general rundown to give a big picture idea is uh, going back, just looking at the last three years, 14, 15, and 16, uh, we've gone from about 8 million, just over 8.2 million in, in 14 to Right now, in, in 16, we were almost at $14 million. It was $13.9 million, which isn't a lot uh, if you for an 1,100-mile-long marine highway, but it's substantial when you talk about going from $8 million to almost $14 million in just a short two years. Uh, this year, we're still hopeful that we're going to get a big chunk of money. One thing that's a wild card in this discussion is Hurricane Matthew. And uh, I would never, I don't want to say this lightly in that I know that a lot of people and and our association knows that a lot of people were negatively impacted and our waterways uh, strongly impacted by the the impacts from Matthew. But one good news story out of it is that the federal government included additional money through a supplemental appropriations. And so there's going to be more money coming to the waterway for dredging and for cleanup. We haven't gotten those final numbers yet. Ballpark numbers are... Uh, are well above the annual allocations of $14 million. could be as much as uh, two to three times that amount. But until we get the final numbers, we won't know what, what that is. Uh, but that will be an extra bump in addition to what we've already gotten uh, to do some of the remedial work from the shoaling that occurred and, and impacts from the waterway uh, to the waterway from Hurricane Matthew. So big picture, we're looking at trying to get 13 to $14 million annually, and then with the supplemental uh, as much as two to three times that, at least. And Brad, I, I, the supplemental, I assume, when that comes through, will not have that same kind of you know short-term issue that you were talking about with the the, the regular funds that were appropriated. Is that correct? It is. What they're going to be doing with that is, uh, and they've already made the decisions internally on how they're going to allocate those dollars. It just hasn't been released publicly yet, and so. Uh, each one of the districts, in our case, for the intercoastal waterway going from Norfolk, Virginia, down through Miami, more or less, uh, each district, the Norfolk District, Wilmington, Charleston, Savannah, and, and Jacksonville districts, will all be receiving dollars. And they'll be able to put those dollars toward bringing their waterway b- either back to the pre-existing conditions from Hurricane Matthew 
or even adding a little bit more uh, dredging on top of that to really get up to speed. Well, that that is good news. You mentioned dredging that is uh, underway now in North Carolina and Florida. Can you give us any specifics on which areas are being dredged as we speak? Yeah, there's there's a couple projects down in Florida. It's going to be inlet projects around uh, St. Augustine, Augustine and uh, Matanzas Inlet is going to be dredging. I think they're going to be, I don't think they've necessarily started yet, but they should be starting up pretty soon because they were funded in appropriation dollars for six, from 16. Uh, and then the big project that a lot of people are interested in is the projects in southern North Carolina. It's been a number of years where a lot of the inlets that connect the intercoastal waterway to the Atlantic Ocean, they had brought sand in. As the sand moved down the outer banks, it flows into those inlets and then gets pushed into the flood shoal and, and starts blocking up the, the Atlantic Intercoastal Waterway, and we call those inlet crossing projects. And almost all of the inlets south of Moorhead City were funded this past year to clean up those inlet crossing areas and also do additional dredging. So the southern stretch of North Carolina that's always tricky with shoals popping up in the, the active inlet basins, those are being handled uh, during this project. So we're really excited about that because that's always a concern for our users as they start making their way back north from, uh, from the Bahamas and Florida. Mm -hmm. So that's what's been um, funded already. Uh, do you have any details on what other areas might be at the top of the list as more funding comes through? You know, I think we're going to see everything. I think uh, as these numbers, I literally was on the phone just yesterday trying to get uh, the final numbers on this hurricane supplemental bill, and uh, it was unable to be released publicly. But I can tell you that every district is going to be doing some dredging with the, mm -hmm. with the supplemental funding. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, specific projects, once again, will be released when they do the supplemental bill. And the way they're going to roll that out is in quarterly payments. So the districts will be able to get, will be able to plan on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis on uh, getting the work done. So it's actually going to be an efficient use of money. And the other thing that we as an association uh, are very careful or, or very cognizant of watching, I should say, is to make sure when those dollars are allocated that they actually get spent because when we go in uh, to Washington, D.C., we actually go every spring, we meet with a number of congressional offices. This year we'll meet with 13 or 14 different members, and we're going and asking them to allocate dollars to the waterway and try to, try to see projects be actually constructed. And so my concern is that if we're going to go and, and make those efforts, we don't want those dollars to sit in a bank account. And we've got great partners in the Corps of Engineers that agree wholeheartedly, and, and they're trying to move sand and, and move material out of the channel. So I'm excited about the possibility of what we're going to be seeing in the next uh, six to nine months and really cleaning up some areas that have been uh, hit very hard, both with Hurricane Matthew and also over the previous few years. Mm -hmm. And do you know, Brad, if the supplemental funds, um, you said it would be kind of uh, quarterly payments on a quarterly schedule, will all of the districts have some money appropriated each quarter, or will some have to wait until later quarters before they can really start their projects? It's going to be up to their ability to proceed. Okay. Um, so when they're ready to go forward, there's going to be dollars allocated. My understanding in, in conversations uh, that I've been part of and, and heard secondhand is that all of the districts are ready to move. Um, mm -hmm. they're, uh, at, at least on getting things on the street, there is going to be a lag for sure because all these projects have to be uh, have to go through legal departments reviewed and be bid out. So there's always mm -hmm. the contracting side. But from a design and engineering standpoint, the one good thing about the Intercoastal Waterway 
is there is always going to be engineering that's needed to for quantities and locations of where they're going to put the materials and things like that. But as far mm-hmm. as actually, uh, it's not a new project. They're they're not recreating the wheel on these. So they're hoping that they can co- get some of these projects underway and under contract pretty quickly as soon as the dollars start flowing to the districts. Mm-hmm. And any idea, any any rumblings out there about when the information will be made public? I'm hoping days. <laughs> okay, hoping we'll have to have you yeah. have you uh, share those with us uh, when it comes in. Absolutely, yeah, and it'll be it'll be a huge focus of uh, our association does a quarterly newsletter, and it'll be a huge focus of our March newsletter is is really diving into the details of where these supplemental dollars are going and how much we're looking at um, trying to execute. Great. I'm going to take a break right here and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I do want to talk a little bit more about the AIWA's efforts to increase the um, funding that comes to to the waterway and the maintenance and dredging that's going on. So we'll talk a little bit about um, efforts you have underway, um, such as your visit to Washington in the spring. Be back in a moment. Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must-stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five-anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. This full-service marina features over 450 slips, They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your waterway of life. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Brad Pickle. Brad is the executive director of the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway Association, and he's been filling us in on uh, kind of the state of the waterway and and funding that has occurred and hopefully more that is on its way. Um, But I do want to spend a few minutes talking with Brad about the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway Association itself and the efforts that that group is making to increase the the maintenance and the dredging that's happening on the waterway. So, Brad, kind of tell us... um, what your group is working on, what, the, what the, the big hot buttons that you're trying to address are right now? We really try to focus on uh, two or three different ways to uh, eat the same apple, I guess you would say. Uh, we realize that it's going to take a, a lot of creative thinkers to figure out a way to leverage the limited dollars that are received to maintain this full 1,100-mile-long marine highway. And so uh, first off, we do our advocacy we lobby on the federal level and as i was mentioning earlier we go every spring we're going to be going the first week of march this year up to washington dc and meet with our congressional representatives uh, one of our our members of our board actually our chair uh, is is mark crosley with the florida inland navigation district and they maintain the waterway in florida and they and their members go up and take care of florida and they'll meet with uh, 10 to 15 offices in florida and then our association meets with the other states and so Last year, we had 13 meetings with different congressional members. Uh, so far already, I've got booked 11. I expect that uh, our board will go up and meet with 11 to 15 congressional offices. And that's very important because, once again, we have to keep in mind exactly what we see at home as what I'll call the craziness of Washington, especially in a transition year like this. It's it's many, many, tenfold 20-fold more things going on up there. And so it's important for us to get in front of those elected members and their staff who actually help uh, recommend to their bosses on what kind of priorities that they should have and and where the problems areas are. So we'll be going up there. We typically take a group of about eight to ten of us and meet with the different offices. And it's it's been a 
rousing success. And the reason why I know that is not just in the dollars received, it's because we are being, um, I guess you would call us trusted advocates. Uh, when issues come up throughout the year, the staff members that we get to meet and form relationships with, they reach back out to us and know of us as, as, as trusted resources on issues that their bosses have questions about. So we'll get questions throughout the year. And that's really what it comes down to is, is us being able to make the pitch for the waterway in those short meetings, but more importantly, being able to follow up and build the relationships through using fact-based information, uh, not just opinions or conjecture, to say this is why an investment in our waterway is important. And, and one of the big ones that I'll just throw out for your users in case they ever get a chance to talk to an elected official is just to remind people that the current expectation, there was a study done just a couple of years ago by the U.S. Department of Transportation, and the current expectation is that, and that study was done in 2015, in that 25 years, by 2040, we expect freight shipment to increase by 45%. And so when you're talking about that large of a number, our question then is very simple, how is it going to, be, how is it going to move? And for any of us that live along the I-95 corridor, I can tell you it's not going to be by truck. And so just little things like that, we're able to educate people and make them think about it. It's, it's not to say that we're the only way to move products or the only reason why the marine highway needs to be maintained is because of moving products, but it's a good example. So mm -hmm. that's the, the big picture there. On the state level, we work with our state partners. We've got uh, partners, a good example of that one would be the North Carolina Beach Inlet Waterway Association. They're an, uh, a nonprofit organization in the state of North Carolina. They work on beach issues also and inlet issues, but they are very strong on the state level working on waterway issues. And so in addition to FINE, I mentioned the Florida Inland Navigation District in Florida, but in North Carolina you have that association. So we work with them to make sure that uh, we support them in their efforts on the state level. And um, North Carolina and Florida are two states currently that put non-federal funding into the pot to see the waterway dredged. Uh, Florida and the Navigation District's been doing it since the early 1900s, but the state of North Carolina has just been doing it in the past few years, and they just increased the amount of money that's available for maintaining their waterways and inlets. So we support the state level in trying to do that. Uh, we, we did a, a project, or the Corps of Engineers constructed a project, dredged a project in Breach Inlet, South Carolina, there in Charleston County a couple years ago. And we work to help bring parties to the table from the Charleston County itself, and they put money in the pot. So we, uh, we, we're trying to raise awareness on, in Georgia and South Carolina to see if they can't start putting some non-federal dollars. So that's mm -hmm. an example on the state level. And then the, the final issue that our organization really tries to focus on is how can we help uh, deal with issues that aren't necessarily funding-based, and I'll go to Georgia for that one. In Georgia, our biggest challenge, in addition to funding, is where are you going to put the material? And as your cruisers know, going through that area, uh, I'll throw out three of the, I call them the top hits. If I was uh, doing top 40 radio, and that's <laughs> Jekyll Creek, Hell's Gate, and, uh, and Little Mud River, you know, those those areas, those are chronic shoaling areas. And so what we're trying to do is not just those, but others in saying, okay, if we can get funding into this state, where can we put the material when it's dredged? And we actually have a workshop coming up with our partners in the state of Georgia and the Corps of Engineers next week to discuss some alternatives to the offshore disposal or the large disposal in uh, big disposal sites and looking to see if we can't use some of the material since it's pluff mud 
and really high silt content? Can we use it for ecosystem restoration? Can we help them rebuild their marshes? Uh, my background happens to be in marine biology and uh, coastal engineering, so uh, I'm, I'm very interested in these types of projects and innovative use of material so that we can beneficially support all of the coastal ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a huge effort uh, underway to do that on a national level through regional sediment management, and it's all based out of the Jacksonville district. That's where the expertise is. And we're, uh, we're excited about being part of the discussion. We think George is a good test case. We're hoping to start working with our partners there to see if we can't do that. If we can open up that possibility uh, to take some of the limited material and also provide a beneficial impact to the local ecosystems, we see it as a win-win, and we also see it as one of the main ways of which we can deal with our dredge material. So we uh, we do get involved in, in issues like that. If it has to do with dredging the waterway, uh, we're going to support our local partners in, in trying to find ways to deal with the material. So appropriations on the federal and state level are two big focuses and always have been since we were started in 1999. Uh, but now we're getting more involved in these technical issues that have to do with what do you do after you get the money? Mm -hmm. Good information. Lots going on there at AIWA. Um, if some of our listeners are interested in, in becoming members, tell us how to go about that. The easiest way is to go to our website, uh, www.AtlanticIntracoastal.org. Uh, we, can, we can get you signed up off the website, and there's a, a sign-up form. You can sign up on the website, or you can... Um, print out the form and send it in. It's only $25. That includes we'll send you the quarterly newsletter and keep you up to date when we have specific issues because the one thing we do uh, sometimes do, and I know, Kim, we've asked you to share the word for us before, is every once in a while we'll have an issue that pops up where it would be great for some of the individuals to reach out to their elected officials with a message, and uh, those are action alerts. We call them action alerts. And so uh, we'll we'll keep you up to speed the best we can on what's going on and, and definitely appreciate all the support we get from all of our users and especially the, the recreational segment. Brad, thank you so much. I really appreciate the update. We'll look forward to hearing from you when there is public information about where the um, supplemental funds will be going to help uh, clean up things from Hurricane Matthew. Uh, but, Brad, thank you very much for sharing your time and your information with us today. We appreciate it. You're very welcome, and thanks again for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. For all of our listeners, thank you for listening today. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Mm -hmm.